0: Most people, the biggest mistake they make when they come to a relationship coach or something like that is they ask questions like, where do I go to meet someone? How do I approach them or how do they approach me? How do I prepare an online profile or what do I say? How do I flirt? They're asking dating strategies. What do I do when I'm standing face to face with someone or how do I make that happen? And I'm like, that's not what you should be asking me. Should be asking me, am I in shape to go the distance in a relationship?
1: This is episode number 518 with Roy Biancalana, getting ready for something real. Hi everybody, I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And if you want support on your journey, I wrote a book called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. I'm actually going to publish my second book soon, but this book is available on Amazon for paperback and for Kindle. And it includes 30, 30 steps or 30 tips for owning your value. And we share a tip from the book every week. This week, we're sharing step number 19, which is choose love over fear. What gets in the way of love is fear. And when we can really work on our fears, we can access more love, both for ourselves and for others. And so my challenge to you this week is to look at a place where you might be holding yourself back from love, because of a past experience, because you're afraid of something that might happen and try to identify what that is. You don't have to solve the problem. You just have to be aware that it's getting in the way. And before I bring Roy on, I just wanna invite you to join our fantastic Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And this is a group that really stands out from other groups that are out there for single women. It is Very heavily monitored, and we don't just allow ranting and venting and ugliness, which happens a lot in many other groups. So, if you want a place to actually grow and be guided on your journey to lasting love, join us at your last first date. And now, for my guest, Roy Biancalana is a certified relationship coach, he's nationally recognized in the field of attraction and conscious relationships and he's the host of Attracting Lasting Love podcast. He's a frequent TV analyst and the author of three number one best selling books, including his latest book, Relationship Bootcamp, Hardcore Training for Life, Love and the Pursuit of Intimacy. I love that title. He's been doing this for the last 15 years, supporting single people to attract healthy, sustainable, intimate relationships and his, his experience has taught him that getting in relationship shape is the key to attracting lasting love. Welcome to the show. Uh
0: it's good to be here. Great to be here. And so, I love the comments about love and fear. I mean fear uh, is fear is all that stands in the way of well pretty much anything. <laughs> yeah. So fantastic.
1: Uh thank you. Well let's get into a little bit of your backstory and how you got into this field. I know you've yeah. been doing it for 15 years. And before we started, you said you've been working with people for 30 years, but why relationship coaching?
0: Yeah, it was never something that I set out to do It was never like I had a vision of being a relationship coach. It was more of something that kind of came up behind me and pushed me into it. Okay. Um, so a bit of my story might help the audience sort of connect with where I'm coming from, because what I, what I do as a coach is it's quite personal. Not only am I working on some real personal issues with people, but it comes from my own personal journey besides all the years and hours of trainings and certifications and all that other nonsense. um, This is, this is a very personal thing to me. And I often tell my clients that if you want to have a great relationship, if you just do the dead opposite of everything I've done in my past, then you are going to do quite well Mm -hmm. because I have, yeah, I've made about every mistake, quote unquote, that you can possibly make in relationships. And so I'll start by saying that I was married for 19 years, okay? And that relationship became sort of a a platonic co-parenting, functioning relationship, you know, we, we didn't have much man, woman stuff. We were more like brother and sister. We, in other words, we didn't have much sexual relationship and so forth. We didn't fight much. We didn't F much, if I can say it that way. <laughs> right. We just got along decently and raised the son together. Now, I don't think that was very satisfying for her. It certainly wasn't for me. And so I initiated a divorce. And here's one of the first quote mistakes I made. I didn't take any time to reflect, to introspect, to learn from that past relationship. I just immediately rebounded into, into the next relationship. And of course, when I say rebound, like a rebound is the ball hitting the rim and going in the opposite direction. I went the opposite direction. So I created this basically completely sexual relationship coming out of my non-sexual marriage, which at the time was really wonderful for me, to be honest with you. Um, And we were together for about two and a half years and we were engaged to be married. And six months before the wedding, she broke up with me. And that one, Sandy, that one destroyed me. Okay. I had what I consider to be like a year long midlife crisis, where I couldn't sleep, I had heart palpitations, I became a lousy father, my career suffered at just obsessive thinking and rehashing and reminiscing. I was just a mess, Okay, right? So that relationship fell apart. And you would think maybe at that point I would have stopped and reflected and looked at myself or tried to learn something, but nope, I was just in so much pain. This is now probably 17, 18 years ago, maybe 19, but I was in so much pain that I did the only thing I knew how to do, which was, I just joined four new dating sites and I was just hell bent on, I'm going to meet another woman to help me forget about her, right? And what's strange is I actually thought that I was emotionally available for these new women. I really thought that I was ready to meet someone and move on. But as I look back, um, I was basically using these women online to help me forget about the last one. Right. So I really wasn't present. I really wasn't available, even though I kind of thought I was. So now you can imagine the amount of drama that caused. Right when I really wasn't over this last person, and I was just in pain and just tr- like a drowning man trying to, you know, fight his way to the surface, um, it created so much drama that eventually a, a buddy of mine said, "Roy, m- maybe you need to hire someone. Maybe you need to talk to someone." And it, it, it to start with, give <laughs> so you a window into the size of my ego. My response to that was like, "Why?" I mean, like, because I really thought that all of my relationship struggles, and this is where we get into the first thing I hope the listener and viewer will sort of feel with me. I really thought it was because all my relationship problems, I just hadn't met the right woman yet. I really thought, all oh, my ex-wife was this and my ex-fiance was this and then all you crazy women online right I just thought it was them that my not being with the right person was the reason that my love life sucked right It never occurred to me that I was the common denominator in every one of these pictures so when I, I when I finally hired a coach it was, it was sort of like, well, I was in so much pain. I didn't know what else to do. I, I, it was like, I guess so, right? And I remember sort of like the first conversation my, my coach had with me is she's sort of like, Roy, um, I'm not willing to talk about these women. I don't want to hear about your ex-wife. I don't want to hear about your ex-fiance. I don't want to hear about the women you're meeting online. I want to know if you're willing to hold a mirror up to yourself and look at yourself. I want to know if you're willing to discover how you are responsible for what's been taking place in your love life. And she, you know, she did say, it's not that the women you were with never had any issues. Okay. They, they, I'm sure they had issues. I want to know if you want to look at yourself because up until then I was just pointing the finger. Right. And I think I was willing to do that because I, w- I had been in so much pain. Nothing else ever worked. And so I, I went on that journey of of looking at in the mirror. And what I discovered was that it really was me. <laughs> okay It really wasn't that I just hadn't found the right woman yet. It was I discovered I had some real blind spots. I discovered I had some limiting beliefs. I discovered I had something I call a relationship persona, which we may talk about. I discovered, that my childhood conditioning was affecting my way of interacting with women, that, that I had mommy issues that were playing out in the women that I was relating with. When I began to see that, when I began to have these horrible aha moments, these, these the insights the ego didn't like, because the ego loves to, to blame, it loves to point the finger and to be defensive and so forth, but when I saw these things, and I saw the root causes of what was going on and and then was able to begin to work on them and transition them because once I began to see what I was doing, now I was empowered to make a change in my relationships see when it's when it's always their fault, what do you do right well, I just gotta find the right person and that ain't that's not the right question it's it's being the right person okay so when I started to discover these things, and then I was able to very quickly meet and start to date and fall in love with and, and get married, that's us right there, getting married on a beach um, mm. in, the, in the Caribbean, I was able to, to, to create this wonderfully healthy sort of intimate relationship. Um, I became a coach because I just wanted to do for other people what my coach did for me. Right? I just wanted to, to pay it forward. It's like I've learned so many things and I've been shown a process. I've been asked certain questions that these things really work. They really can change the whole trajectory of your love life. So I became a coach just simply to say, I want to help you the way my coach helped me because my love life being great now is not because I got lucky. It's not because the gods smiled on me. It's because I did certain things. I followed a certain process. I asked certain questions. I looked in certain places within myself that are completely transferable. So I just tell my clients, if you do the same work that I did, you can have the same results I got because it wasn't special. I didn't get lucky, right? So that's why I'm a coach is I want to take people down the same path that I've gone down because it really results in complete transformation of the way you interact with everyone, but especially an intimate partner. So yeah, that's why I'm a coach. It's just to kind of, I'm like one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. (laughs) <laughs> right? It's like I, I find some food or like Lucy. Remember in the Chronicles of Narnia, when Lucy wanders into the wardrobe closet, and she finds Narnia out the back. And it's so unbelievable that she's like, I have to go back and tell my friends what I found here. Right. So I'm a little bit like Lucy. I found something, I, I, an inner type of work that results in changing your love life. And I got to go back to my friends and tell them, you got to come see what I've seen. And that's why I do what I do.
1: Well, what an inspirational story. And uh, I can relate to most of it. Mm. I think that most of us are walking around blaming other people, not seeing our part, thinking we're available when we're not. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's so empowering to know that we can actually, learn new skills and learn more about ourselves so that we become more aware of our part and then we can actually affect change and Mm. create intimacy which intimacy is blocked for most of us i mean i don't think most of us realize and Mm -hmm. when we keep having the same pattern we're the common denominator as you said so here I am, wherever yep. I go, and yep. uh, so it's it's a story with a happy ending, and it inspired you to help others do the same thing, which I love. You know, in my in my case, I stayed twenty three years in a marriage that had become very much like yours, and eventually left to reclaim myself. I felt mm-hmm. like I had lost every part of me, the important mm-hmm. parts of me. Um, and I was yeah. kind of living this survival existence instead of mm. thriving existence. And I think mm. so many of us just accept this is as good as it gets. Mm. Why would I leave for something else? Cause it's, I looked around me and I saw, well, nobody's really happy. Mm. My friends are, don't don't have marriages that I would really want in my life. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want that. And look at all the mm. single people I meet. Oh, mm-hmm. who'd want that? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think a lot of people think, well, there's nothing else or yeah. I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna have an affair. You know, there's just so many things mm-hmm. that people do to try and solve the problem. And mm-hmm. once you learn the the most important tools and skills, everything changes. So and I like that you added that, there were childhood stuff. It was childhood stuff that also led to it. And we often don't even see it. We don't see the patterns. Mm -hmm. So in your book, you talk about the biggest mistake we make in our pursuit of intimacy. I'm not sure if you just revealed it or if it's something else. It's
0: similar. And I like to use this analogy, or maybe it's a metaphor. I'm not sure which is which. Imagine that you or the, the listener, viewer, would like to compete and do well in a triathlon, okay? Like they want to they wanna do really well and be successful in a triathlon. And further imagine, because this is definitely something to imagine, that I'm a, a former Ironman triathlon champion and now I'm a retired coach. I coach people who want to be successful in triathlons. So imagine that you hire me to help you be successful, right? So we sit down, and you start asking me questions about like the race, like the race race day, I sometimes call it. Like, how do you navigate the water in the beginning? Cause it's a frenzy and you can get drowned. And how do you transition from the water to riding the bike and the bike to a marathon? And then you're out there all day long, right? So how much do I eat? When do I eat? What do I eat? How much water do I drink, right? And then how do I navigate the course? Are there places where I should make up some time? places where I should conserve energy. And so as a former successful triathlete, I'm hearing all of these questions that are good questions. They're important questions. They're all about the day of the race. And so I'm beginning to feel some concern here because you're not asking me about the stuff that you really should be asking me about. Because if you want to be successful in this race... it's not about your race day strategy. It's like, are you in shape for this thing? Like, how do I get in shape for this endurance test? How do I get on that starting line knowing that I'm ready, I'm prepared, I'm ready to go the distance? Because if you're 50 pounds overweight, you might have the best strategy in the world, but you're, you're not gonna make it 50 yards in the water, <laughs> right? So it's much more important to be thinking about am I ready for this? Am I trained for this? Am I in shape for this? Rather than what do I do on the day of the race? So the analogy is most people, the biggest mistake they make when they come to a relationship coach or something like that is they ask questions like, where do I go to meet someone? How do I approach them? Or how do they approach me? How do I prepare an online profile? Or What do I say? How do I flirt? You know, they're asking race day questions. They're asking dating strategies and sort of what do I do when I'm on the starting line? Like when I'm standing face to face with someone or how do I make that happen? And I'm like, that's not what you should be asking me. should be asking me, am I in shape to go the distance in a relationship? Are my relationship muscles strong? (laughs) Am I relationally fit so that when I do stand on that starting line, that moment, the mysterious moment when the universe says, here's someone, right? That can happen online, but it can happen in a bar. It can happen at the post office. I met my wife at a personal growth conference. I just sat down next to the prettiest girl in the room, okay? And we just started kind of flirting with each other. So whenever that moment happens, and we can't predict this, are you ready in that moment to relate in conscious, mindful, healthy ways so that you make this relationship have a chance to go the distance? And all of my screw-ups were because I wasn't ready, right? And so that's the biggest mistake we make is we focus more on them. How do I find them? Where are they? What do I say? What do I do? All of that. And we're not asking the questions. Am I ready for something real? Am I ready to relate in conscious ways? Now, the challenge with this, the the part that's not easy for your ego, the person listening to this, is it's so easy to do what we've been talking about to say, okay, my love life hasn't worked out because Oh, my ex-husband was a jackass or these guys, or it's pointing the finger, right? It's hard to say, maybe I'm not in as good a relationship shape as I think I am. Maybe there are some of my relationship muscles that are weak. The next first date will be my last first date because I'm going to it in shape (laughs) rather than just going from one relationship to another, never getting yourself in shape, bringing all of that baggage with you, and then recreating the same thing or the same basic dynamic over and over again. I mean, I've actually coined a term called the relationship groundhog day syndrome. <laughs> Remember that old movie right? Bill Murray lives the same day over and over and over again yep. until he sort of wakes up in some sense. We can be in relationship groundhog day syndrome. It's like the same, the relationship follows the same pattern. Like I keep attracting narcissists. I keep attracting emotionally unavailable people. I keep attracting wounded soldiers, you know, like men who are like a, they're kind of broken down. They need to be put back together again, you know? And then once I put them back together again, they leave me. Right. Or relationships that I just talked to someone the other day, like, they start out hot and heavy, but she has like four or five relationships in a row. That between three and six months, the guy just totally just nope. This is just walked away. Just it went from hot to cold, seemingly overnight. Right. So whatever our patterns are, whatever dynamics we seem to keep facing, um that that's that's the Groundhog Day thing. And so if you don't do your work and you, and I just went from my marriage to the rebound and then the rebound online, I just kept, and we can maybe talk about this. I kept creating the same, I kept attracting the same type of woman, the same type of dynamic because I never stopped and looked at what was going on in me that was leading to all this stuff.
1: Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. One of the things that bothers me in our industry is that there are a lot of people who will work on the race day stuff. The, they'll teach you how to flirt. They'll yeah. teach you how to get the guy back um, you know, all the, you have to wear clothes that are more revealing and grow your right. hair out and lose 10 pounds. And none of that is the key.
0: Yeah. That's so, normally what dating coaches do. You know, that's, that's, you know what I mean? I, that's why I call myself a relationship coach. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the most, the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's your relationship, not, a relationship coach well, how do I find that person no it's this relationship that creates that one right yeah
1: yeah yeah absolutely and and we have this ability to have this like um this uh unconscious bias to find evidence for what we think is going to happen so mm-hmm. I have a client who everybody cheated on her and mm-hmm. she would get together with a new guy and she'd think oh everything is going really well but then You know, he's got a lot of friends on Facebook who are women. And so I asked him about it. And then he got really defensive about that. And it's like, why can't you just trust me? Well, they never built trust. And she had no safety in speaking up. And she never really learned how to speak up. And she never learned the keys to, you know, how how to heal herself from her childhood stuff. And so there were so many things that she could work on so that the next time she dates somebody, it'll be a totally different experience and she won't let things or he'll be able to have long.
0: or he'll be able to have female friends and it, yes. and it and it won't trigger her trust because her trust issues have nothing to do with the guy zero no right but no the, but we think that i gotta find a person who doesn't have those kinds of friends in those kind of contexts because then then i can trust which exactly. is it's backwards no you can Let go of your past, which is one of your relationship muscles, by the way, to Mm -hmm. give a little preview, but, um, but yeah, that's powerful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I want to get into the relationship muscles in a minute, but I also wanted to ask you a question about, let's say you work with somebody and they are ready for a relationship. They're ready for something real Mm -hmm. And they meet people who are not quite there, but maybe have potential to be there. Like, I think a lot of people get frustrated because they've done all this work, and then they meet people who are not on the same page. And so my question is, can people, should you be looking for somebody who's exactly in the same place? Or can you work with somebody or be in a relationship with somebody and kind of bring them in to relating with you in a way that works for you?
0: Mm. Beautiful. That's actually a fairly complicated question. (laughs) And I'll go, I'll go two directions with it. There is no question that when you're out and about in the world, doing online dating, you're going to meet people who, um, you know, aren't ready to connect in really healthy ways, right? That's just, just, just gonna happen. Um, the issue is whether or not, you know, so if you meet someone and you know within 10 minutes, you you be able to tell I'm not gonna give this person my phone number, right? But if you end up in a relationship with them and you know, and then you're beginning to feel like they're they're not ready um, in some ways or we're on different levels, then I would say, no, you're not. Because if you're interested in them, then on some level, you're in the same place, right? So there's a, like, I often make the joke, like, if you're standing on a street corner and some homeless person hits on you, does that, does that mean, oh, what am I, why am I attracting homeless people? (laughs) No, no. But if you're standing there and a homeless person hits on you and you're like, wow. I mean, there's something just really sexy about that. Like I could fix him up. I could really help him. Like I would feel so wonderful to to be with a person like that because I could really help them grow. Now you could say, why am am I attracting homeless people, right? (laughs) So this really kind of gets into something I talk about, which is the law of attraction is really misunderstood here okay? The law of attraction is something that can actually ruin your love life because it can work for you or against you. Because here's the idea of the law of attraction, which is true, which is that like attracts like. Birds of a feather flock together. That's all the law of attraction means, regardless of the nonsense that people say out there about this woo-woo and weird stuff. It just means like attracts like, okay? So if the law of attraction is Real. If it's a real law, then it it is not something that you decide, okay, I'm gonna use the law of attraction to find my life partner. You don't use a law, the law is operating whether you like it or not. It's like the law of gravity. You don't get to wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what, I'm not gonna use the law of gravity today. I'm gonna to jump off a building, I'm gonna fly. Okay. You you don't get to do that. The law, the law is the law is it's always happening. So the law of attraction, if it's real, and it is, it's always working. You don't get a chance to use it or not use it. So the law means like attracts like. So that what it basically says is you will never attract and be attracted to someone who is not on your level. Can't happen. There's, there's no way that Eckhart Tolle gets attracted to Lindsay Lohan or Amber Heard. No way. Because they exist on different planes. They have different states of consciousness. So that you can never attract a relationship or a partner who's healthier or unhealthier than you are. You always attract on your level. So what you describe, if a person's in a relationship with them, they're probably overestimating themselves and missing something and not aware of something. And they're just Projecting and seeing the other person has got these problems and they're not ready, because if they were, if they were, if they met someone and they could see that this person doesn't communicate in healthy ways, they don't handle their emotions in healthy ways, they're they haven't let go of their past, um, and there's there's still it's still sort of alive in them. Well, you'd just walk away mm-hmm. because we're not on the same wavelength. But if you end up finding yourself in a relationship. It's because on some way you guys are maybe not showing up in the same unhealthy ways, but you're, you're, you're in the same level of consciousness, the same level of maturity. So that's why I say the law of attraction can work for you or against you. So if we are not as relationally fit to put it in my terms of trying to make it more interesting to talk about relationships. I use physical fitness metaphors. (laughs) If we are not in relationship shape, we're going to attract someone who is not in relationship shape. Okay. Just the law of attraction. It can't be otherwise. So the key to attracting a healthy partner is not to say, where do I find this healthier partner? All that it takes is if I am healthier, if I raise my level of fitness, I will automatically and only attract someone who is healthier. So your love life is a reflection of you, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're, whatever results you're having is a reflection of your state of consciousness. It's your, your level of maturity, your level of relationship fitness, and you're meeting people and attracting people and attracted to people who are in that same place. Okay. So the whole key is, is not about finding a person who's healthy. And so it's 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 working on yourself. And then the law of attraction works for you. But for most of us, it works against us. Because just like that, that person you are mentioning that had the trust issues, she's gonna, she's gonna attract men who are untrustworthy. Because she hasn't got beyond those issues and let go of her past. So she's still in that mindset. And that mindset's going to create, gonna attract someone that she'll have a reason not to trust. They'll be that like he got defensive. Why would he get defensive when she asks about your Facebook friends? He'd be like, I just have lots of people who are friends that have penises and friends who have vaginas. Like, what's going on for you? There'll be no defensiveness. Mm -hmm. Right. But defensive because he's got something to hide. Right. Right. Because he's got something going on there. But the person with the trust issues will always find that person. Right. So if she says, I want to find a man who I can trust, a man who who that I can relax with. It's not about trying to find him because you won't if you have trust issues. It's how do I let go of my past? so that I move in the world with a clean emotional slate as if nothing ever happened. Like, like it happened, but it's not happening. Right. I like, you never forget what happened in the past, but for most of us, it's still happening in us. Right. Yeah. And so then the law of attraction is working against you and so forth. So I don't know. That's pretty deep. I don't know. Does <laughs> it, does it make
1: some sense though? It does. I, I see it and maybe it's, It feels a little different. And I just wanna share my thoughts on this because I I agree that we we are attracted to people based on where we are. I think that there are people who are always gonna be attracted to us, like you mentioned the homeless person, like that homeless person or the cheater or a narcissist or somebody who we don't want in our lives. I think we can still have them be attracted to us, but we don't have to. Yeah, but who cares? We don't have to pick up what they're putting down, basically. So right, I'm, I'm sure there are tons of women who are attracted to me, right? but who cares? <laughs> right, but exactly. It doesn't mean I have
0: to have a relationship with them.
1: Yeah. Right? So I just yeah. wanted to differentiate because I think there there might be some confusion. In people listening saying, "Well, if I'm at this other level and i really worked on myself, I'll never again attract a person who I'm not interested in," or you know, who isn't good for me. And I think well, the main difference is that we will not engage with these people. Correct, that's right. That,
0: that's why I use that homeless person thing because people really misunderstand this this attraction thing. Why am I attracting homeless people? Mm-hmm. Well, you're not, it's, it's just life. You're attracting them if you find yourself interested in them. Mm-hmm. So let's just say something very common. Women say, you know, I, I keep attracting married men married men keep hitting on me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so a person hits on you. You're not attracting that. If you find yourself interested in married men, now you're attracting it. But if a guy just walks up and says, Hey, can I buy you a drink? And he's got a ring on his finger. I mean, you're just, you're in life. There are people, there are men that, that operate that way. There are women that operate right. that way. So it's when you become interested in it, then you're like, Oh, do I have a fear of intimacy?" which is what that is because I'm attracted to men that I that can't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I get the fun of being wanted, but I don't have to face the fear of commitment and intimacy and real engagement because it, they're married. It can't really go there. Right. Yeah. So there's a difference between just the normal course of, of, of life. Um, you know, if I'm driving down the street and somebody's driving slow in the left lane in front of me, Am I attracting slow drivers? Come on now, right? I mean, people drive slow. But if I seek them out, I'm like, I want to drive behind someone who's going 45 in a 70 in the left lane. Now I have some interest in it. I'm I'm some, there's something magnetic about it. And I I want to get behind that person and then complain about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't <know> if the <laughs> illustration is very
1: good or not, but <laughs> try to come up with something on the fly. yeah well this is why we we don't allow any of that in my facebook group you know the uh what's wrong with men and why why do men treat me this way and it's like well that's not going to get you anywhere (laughs) you're not gonna you're not going to number one heal by doing that and number two it's just going to bring down the energy of the entire group so let's let's take responsibility here
0: well ask it well asking the question why why do i get treated a certain way um or why why do I find myself in relationships or in patterns or dynamics? That is a quantum question. Right, right? but that's about you, not about what everybody else is doing. Right, it's not a blame. It's like, right? Because maybe I should share this real quick. So because of this Groundhog Day Syndrome, this might be really powerful for people to hear. Um, When I started working with a coach, what we discovered well, let me, let, let, me, let me come at it backwards, okay? What I discovered is that I had a relationship persona. I had a way of relating that's fear-based. Personas are fear-based ways of relating that we develop in childhood to help us either feel secure or satisfy a need or be successful at something, right? And so just to give you a little background for me and the mommy issues that I had, because this is the kind of work that I do with my clients, is that my mother was someone who met our physical, our needs, but she was kind of emotionally distant. She was kind of like a perfectionist. She was sort of harsh and demanding. She wanted things done kind of her way. If mama wasn't happy, nobody was happy in, in in my house, okay? Now, I'm a little boy, four, five, six years old. And of course, I want to be close to my mother. I want to feel warmth. I want to feel her attention and her affection, correct? In a sense, she's my first girlfriend. She's my first contact with that feminine type of energy. And what I learned as a little boy um, was that the way that I could feel that warmth from my mother was if I made sort of my life be about fulfilling her agenda or taking care of her. When I showed up with my needs, my wants, my quote, selfishness, then I felt those, I saw those pursed lips. I felt distance. I felt judgment, or I felt just, I didn't feel warmth and affection. But when, when I was a good boy, when I was good boy, Roy, right. When I was doing what she wanted, fulfilling how she wanted things to go, then I felt warmth. I felt connection. Okay. So I learned through that, that the way you get close to a beautiful woman is by making your life be about taking care of hers. And I call him Roy, the rescuer. Okay, I became Roy. the Res- I didn't know about this stuff when I'm four or five, six years old. I'm just wanting to be close to my mommy. And I'm just learning. Well, the way you do that is don't, don't have your own thing. Don't be your own person. Just forget about what you want and just What do you need mommy? I'll be a good boy. I'll take care of you. And then I felt warmth. Okay. Now you fast forward. I'm 40, 45 years old and I find myself in relationships and I'm not lying to you about this within, within two weeks, I would be I'd meet some woman and I would be uh, basically raising their children. I would be doing their laundry. I'd be cleaning the house. I'd be getting the kids up for school. I'd be doing homework with them. I'd be taking them to soccer practice. I'd be cutting the grass. I would be, I'd be doing the shopping. I would be taking care of everything. Like I would be being a good boy. I was Roy the rescuer, okay? And when I, when I did that for these women, boy, I felt attention and affection, okay? So when I started working with a coach, my complaint was, cause I was always talking about them. I wasn't looking in the mirror yet. I was saying, why do I keep attracting these women who have these high-powered careers? Like, they're kicking ass and taking names, and they're making bank, right? Um, they're working 60 to 80 hours a week, but they're overwhelmed. They're single mothers, and they, they're like, they can't manage it all. They can't do it all. They're, they're swamped. They're overwhelmed. They're stressed out. They're like, they're like damsels in distress, Okay. I kept attracting one after another high-powered successful career woman who who wasn't managing her life. She was drowning in all of it. Well, wasn't I the perfect boyfriend? Because I had learned from my early days that if you make your life be about taking care of hers, then she will give you attention and affection. So when I'm Roy the rescuer, the only type of women that I can connect with are the damsels in distress. When I did online dating, I met many women who had high powered, successful careers and they had kids, but they were on their game. They, they were, they were, they were working it. They might've wanted love and support and that kind of stuff, but they weren't overwhelmed. They, 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 they were, they were on their game. You could say, I never felt any chemistry with them. Mm -hmm. They never felt it with me. And it wasn't about how good looking anybody was. It was that my shtick, my persona wasn't needed by them because they weren't damsels in distress. But I kept complaining, why do I keep attracting these women? And how do I find a woman who's not a damsel in distress? How do I find a woman who's put together, doesn't need to be rescued? Well, if I have this belief that the only way I'd be wanted is if I'm going to be a rescuer, then I can walk into a bar of a hundred women and I'll find the one woman in there that's like, Oh, I just can't do it all. I'm just (laughs) falling apart. I'm like, man, you know, I make 400 grand a year, but I have to work so many hours and there's nobody at my kids. Uh, I'll be your boyfriend (laughs) because I'll take care of everything for you. All you got to do is in fact, I'll free up all your time where you can just have sex with me. That's all you got to do. Go to work, come home, have sex with me. I'll do everything else. That that's what I created. Hmm. Right? So that's I had mommy issues. Okay? I I had no understanding of my authentic self. I had become this good boy Roy the in my first book above my head there. I write as a chapter and they're called the world's greatest boyfriend. Okay? And I want to make it clear that I was doing all that stuff not because that's how love wanted to be expressed by my heart. If a person wants to be a Mr. Mom type because that's the way they want to love. And that's an expression of kind of who they are. That's beautiful. I was doing it because I was scared. If I don't do this stuff, this crap, that's what I used to call it. If I don't do all this crap that I would never get a woman to be interested in me. So I was doing it from fear, right? And motivated by fear. And therefore I had resentment underneath toward it. But the 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 main point I'm pointing out is if you're attracting, let's just, very common if you're if you're attracting narcissists you find yourself in relationships with people who end up being completely self-absorbed like the world revolves around me it's all about me okay then that must be that you have a persona that fits with a narcissist. So just imagine a a piece of a puzzle right we've all made puzzles and a, a, every piece has got a certain shape right now that Puzzle piece doesn't go with just any puzzle piece. It's got to find its reciprocal match, correct? They fit each other. So when you're in relationships with damsels in distress or narcissists, that's their psycho emotional shape, you could say. But it must mean that you have a reciprocal shape that works with it, that fits with it. So rescuers need damsels. Damsels need rescuers. They go together like cookies and milk. Narcissists need what's the opposite of narcissism? Just selfless, 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 right? Two narcissists could never be in a relationship together. They'd beat the hell out of each other. No, it's about me. No, it's about me. No, it's about me. Right? A narcissist narcissist needs to say, it's about me. And someone says, Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Because I don't value myself. I don't think I matter. I I My selflessness is really code for a lack of feeling worthy or valuable. And so the narcissist needs a person like that to make their life, you know, be all about it is about you, right? And then you get in that thing. So if you're attracting men who are like wounded soldiers or broken down cars that need to be fixed up, it's because you're moving with some sort of nurse persona, Right. Maybe you learned early in your childhood that if I take care of everybody else, if I'm nurturing and giving and, 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 you know, functioning like a nurse, that that's when people would love me. That's when I would feel noticed and appreciated. So now you're 40, 45, 50 years old. You keep attracting men who are broken down, that need to be fixed, that need to be healed. Where can I find a man who's got his shit together? Well, if you're a nurse, you'll never find him. Because he won't need a nurse. (laughs) So the journey becomes, how do I find my authentic self? How do I find the original Roy before I laid this persona over the top of this rescuing thing, right? And I remember when my coach sort of introduced that idea to me, my response was, I don't even know who I would be if I wasn't good boy Roy. If I wasn't Roy, I don't even know who I would be and her response, I'll never forget it. She said, welcome to the path. When you finally realize that what you're doing is phony and fear-driven, this person you're being that's attracting all of this stuff, of course, you won't know who you'd be without. It. You've been doing it since you've been a little kid. But the, the journey is to discover that, to find the Roy who had a, who wasn't so insecure, who wasn't so needy that he could show up in a relationship and sort of value himself and own himself and say, I matter too. I have needs and wants and and desires and you do too. And how can we mutually support one another in healthy ways rather than I've got to be this kind of person to get you to like me, to get you to want me. So that's the kind of work I do with people is Helping you discover how, why you're in those patterns in these loops of what you're attracting. Because it's not that you're unlucky. On some level, you need what you're attracting to, to play into your persona. Rescuers, right? I could walk into a bar of 100 women, I'd find the one woman, right? It's just like someone who has alcohol in their background. People, I keep attracting alcoholics. People who are in Al Anon begin to recognize that if I have an enabling sense about me, right? If I'm a rescuer, if I'm an enabler, if I'm a savior, well, then I end up finding people who are alcoholics because alcoholics need enablers. They they go together, you know I mean? <laughs> right? So if you keep attracting people that are in addiction, then you must have something going on in you that you need an addict to try to get them sober, right? Because then you feel wanted or needed because you probably managed in your household addiction and trying to keep all the plates spinning and so forth so there's a lot of word salad there but hopefully mm-hmm. it makes some sense to people and they're resonating like okay that's the work i need to do
1: yeah no i think that you've described really the core of the work that needs to be done in order to break patterns in order to yeah. really operate without fear and mm-hmm. to have intimacy um right. So we don't have time to go into all the relationship muscles, but if you can share just one, that would be really helpful.
0: Well, we talked we... about your relationship to the past, Okay, mm-hmm. right? So if your past is alive in you, you're going to then be guarded, suspicious. You're going to have trust issues. You're going to put a wall around your heart. Walls will keep you safe, but they will keep you single, right? Nobody can get in to hurt you, but nobody can get in to love you. Okay. So they're, they're, and this is where we get a little... I can't get too practical with this. There is a way of letting go of your past. There is a step-by-step process that I do with my clients on how to have your past be something that just happened, but it's not happening. It's not alive in me. Like that client you shared, that she was bringing her trust issues with her because she had never really dealt with them to where she just met this guy for who he was. She was projecting her fear onto him and getting all that. So that's one of them. Your relationship to your emotions is another one. I mean, I would say that generally women are a little bit more emotionally intelligent than men are. It seems to be that that, that's probably sexist, but it seems to be true that women come from the factory a little bit more comfortable in the emotional realm than the masculine. But that doesn't mean women know how to feel their feelings and express them in healthy ways that don't create drama and create connection. It certainly doesn't mean that men know how to do that either. So the emotional connection is that it well that's the connection part of a relationship and most of us are not smarter than a fifth grader when it comes <laughs> to emotional intelligence. We need to we need that muscle to be stronger. There's the communication muscle. Right? Most of us most of us because we're afraid we conceal rather than reveal. We have a tendency to withhold or a tendency to project an image. Like I, I actually call it redactive dating, you know, like in in government, when they release a top secret document, like all the good stuff is blacked out on the paper. We can date that way. Like, I'm going to show you the stuff that I want you to see, but I'm going to hide or sort of black out the parts that I don't, if I, if you knew this about me, then you might not like me. So we, we, there's a pretense. We, we sort of can pretend in the romance phase because I know what you'll be attracted to and what I think you won't be attracted to. So I don't want you to know about my insecurities and my, that I'm sort of jealous or that I have trust issues or that I've, that I have a temper. I don't want you to know about that. I'm going to show you the parts that I think you'll like. So that's a part of our communication. It's a part of our, whether we're going to be revealers or concealers. So there's, Huge conversations to have around that, but that's, that's just three of the seven, your past, your emotions and the way in which you communicate and show yourself.
1: Yeah. all so important. I mean, that's a lot of the work I do is based on boundaries and communication skills, because if we don't do that, we can't get close and we can't really be authentic. We can't show who we are. Um, so Roy, this conversation has just been so rich and deep, and I know you have a free gift that ties together everything we talked about. So can you tell us what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So my theory is
0: if you want a great relationship, it's about getting yourself in relationship shape because then you attract someone who's in relationship shape. Okay. So if you were to go to a gym and want to get in physical shape, any good trainer, the first thing they're going to do is run you through a bunch of assessments to see what they're working with. Once they know where you are, they can put a program together to get you where you want to go. Well, I do that for my clients, and I can do it for anyone, even you know, for free. Okay. This is my free gift. Is I have something that I've developed that's called the relationship fitness self-assessment test. So it's a way to find out what your current fitness level is, in my view. Okay. It's not like this is gospel or something. It's just, it's just what I believe is what it means to be healthy and sort of conscious and mindful in the way you show up with people. So it's on my website, coachingwithroy.com. You might even link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a 30 question, true, false test, take you three to five minutes to take, you get your uh, results immediately. They're completely confidential. Even I don't see the results. I just get notified. Someone took your test. Okay. Um, but here's the bad news. The test is accurate. Okay. It, it, there's a good chance if you're listening to this podcast, your love life isn't fantastic, right? Which might mean that you're not in the best shape. So if you take this, don't be surprised if it says you need to get your butt in a little better relationship shape here. Okay. Don't take it personal. Don't take it like there's something wrong with me. It's not it's just like you're human, it just means you need to, you need to do some workouts. You just need to get yourself, you need to eat better and train better. You need to get yourself in better shape because even though I wrote the test, I took it myself, but I took it and answered the questions from the mindset I had back during, back in the day before I worked with my coach. And I scored in the worst category. (laughs) Of course I was a mess. And if, if, if my test said you're, Oh, you're doing pretty good. Well, then the test is crap, right? But the test, revealed. Yeah, no, Roy, you have you have some work to do. And I did it. So if you take the fitness test, and you find out that you need to get in better shape, well, then I can put a program together to get you in shape. And then your whole love life changes. So all of that is is coaching with Roy.com.
1: Got it. And that'll be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Roy. This conversation has been wonderful. And I I know that our listeners really value this kind of information, and sure. really giving them the power to make the changes they need to be relationship ready. So, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. I've hoped I've added to the, the the definite possibility that your next date could be your last first date.
1: Yes, and so thanks everybody for listening. As always, if you love our show, please rate and review us. Give us a five star re- review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application application. I look forward to talking to you soon.